What is up? This is Evan Lovett, and thanks for tuning in to my podcast, In a Minute with Evan Lovett, an Odyssey original brought to you by yours truly, your host, Evan Lovett, where you may know me from my social media page, LA In a Minute. I'd love to invite you along for a personal and intimate ride as I share interesting facts about all sorts of things you didn't know that you needed to know. Be entertained and informed as I bring you into my mind to see the world through my lens. There's history everywhere, as long as you know where to look. Let's get into it. Yo, episode number 27. And I was called out this week because this is not a new podcast, but the intro still says my new podcast. Or at least it did until we re-recorded it. So thank you for the nudge. And I hope you enjoy the new intro. And I really hope you enjoy this new episode. Once again and always live from the IM Studios here in Los Angeles. What we're talking about in this new episode? Picket lines, unions, work stoppages, negotiations, money. That's right. There is a high likelihood that you or somebody you know has been involved in a work stoppage here in Los Angeles in 2023. I'm going to dig deep into why everybody's going on strike what it means to be in a union, and as always, facts, details, and a little bit of history in Los Angeles. 2023, the year LA went on strike. Let's get into it. As 2023 began in Los Angeles, organized labor was celebrating a victory by the graduate student workers who had been on strike for multiple weeks. This was 48,000 graduate student workers in the University of California who had just ended their strike after gaining some concessions, increased pay and things of that nature. And it seemed like it was clear sailing for workers in Los Angeles. Well, lo and behold, what happened next was like a stack of dominoes. Dock workers went on strike. The teachers went on strike on behalf of the LAUSD non-teaching workers. The hotel workers went on strike. Then the big one, the writers, went on strike. Followed by the city of Los Angeles. And then in solidarity, the actors went on strike. This in addition to UPS almost having a strike, Starbucks workers in Los Angeles continuing to form a union for the first time in Starbucks history. Strippers organizing to form a union at a North Hollywood strip club. Amazon drivers walking out in Palmdale. And even the Dodgers barely averted a strike by giving ushers, groundskeepers, and other workers significant raises. I mean, the city of Los Angeles has essentially become a picket line. Thousands of unionized Southern California workers have been on strike demanding higher wages, better benefits. Picket lines are occupying streets all over the city. And that city strike, the city of L.A. strike, that was the first strike by L.A. city workers in more than 40 years. I mean, there is something in the water here in L.A. in 2023. And the effects are serious. This affects all areas of the city and all people, whether it's you, your family, your friends, somebody you know is or has been on strike this year. It's crazy. I know people on strike from various professions. And man, this thing includes 
sanitation workers, lifeguards, custodians of public schools, LAX shuttle drivers, mechanics, crane operators, boat captains at the city's ports, and of course your screenwriters. And these are just people who have already walked off the job at some point. I mean, Lorena Gonzalez, the chief officer of the California Labor Federation, which represents more than 2 million union members in California, by the way, says she's calling this the hot labor summer. The quote is, we have sparks and fires everywhere and we're not letting it die down in California. In fact, we're fanning the flames. That's right, because the tinder has always been crackling here in California, especially Los Angeles. I mean, this has long been a labor stronghold and there have been wins in recent years. I mean, California's minimum wage is $15.50 an hour, which is more than double the federal rate. And workers everywhere, whether they've struck yet or not, are feeling more pressure, inflation, housing shortages, technological disruptions. I mean, you've seen how far your dollar goes now at the grocery store. I mean, I was gobsmacked. I remember last year at Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, I spent $300 on groceries and it wasn't even a full cart. It wasn't even for Thanksgiving. And affordable housing. We had a whole episode on that here on In a Minute and Evan Lovett. So all the workers, no matter what, are feeling that. And you're feeling that. And people are getting second and third jobs. So these strikes make sense just in the economic climate of the United States right here in Los Angeles. Because frankly, Los Angeles is the epicenter. A recurring theme this year amongst those striking workers has been the unbearable cost of living in Southern California. Don't forget the average rent in LA is $2,700 a month. Come on, $2,700 a month for rent in Los Angeles. Those school employees that went on strike, then those are the important people. That's the lifeblood, teachers are the lifeblood. But these auxiliary workers, as they were called, come on, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, these people are super important. They were getting two or three side gigs to afford their bills. Screenwriters are saying the same thing. I mean, a, a recent study by USC said that 60% of tenants in Los Angeles are what they call rent burdened, which means they spend more than 30% of their income on housing. Think about that. 60% of people are spending a third of every paycheck just to live. That's before you get to any other bills. So, I mean, this makes sense. And this activism has just been escalating. White collar workers, blue collar workers, and even, again, even people in quote unquote higher level jobs, they're threatened by the rise of AI, by the gig economy. These are real concerns here. So, I mean, all told, what does it mean to be in a union in Los Angeles? I'll tell you firsthand from my perspective. My dad was a huge union guy growing up. He was in three unions, okay? He was, he was what they call a computer audit specialist for the state of California. And I'm only chuckling because I remember he used to have one of the first laptops. This in the early 1980s. And it was huge, as big as a, what we'd call a desktop now. But he'd audit bigger California corporations. And that was a pretty antagonistic job. Companies would get pissed at him. I mean, Sizzler, he found some uh, unsavory accounting for Sizzler. And they wanted to have his job. They took it to the governor's office. 
So he needed this union or these unions. He was in CSEA, California State Employees Association, SEIU, which is still all over the place. Uh, EDCAS, he worked for EDD, EDCAS. So he was in three unions. So that's what I grew up with, grew up around. He was been involved in strikes. I remember the state of California wanted to pay state employees with IOUs. Can you imagine that? And it's because of the unions that, we were able to have food on our table and he would be in the front lines. He'd be picketing. I remember once he was on TV on a news channel. Cause he gave, you know, just some quote where they're like interview and he was on. And like when we, my mom and I were like cheering him on as he's on the news, but it was a big deal. I mean, unions like were very important to my family and they're important to many families in Los Angeles. But honestly, as I've grown older, I sort of felt like they were becoming more irrelevant. And that might be me being out of touch. In fact, it was me being out of touch. But I looked into the numbers. And union membership as a percentage of the total labor force is now a record low for at least the last 100 years of only 10% of employed wage and salary workers are in a union. Now, California is a little bit better. California... 16% of wage and salary workers are in unions. And that's important. Los Angeles, the number's even higher, 21%. There are 1,053 unions and employment organizations that represent 2.8 million people in Los Angeles. That's more than 25% of the population. I'm not even doing the math on on the working population. So Los Angeles is still very much so a union city. And now when I think union, just from like a macro sense, it's sort of inextricably linked with teamsters. I'd always heard that term teamsters. Whenever there's a union, there's teamster. I don't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. And I always associated with organized crime, the mob, the mafia. And, you know, in the fifties and sixties, maybe that was the case. Jimmy Hoffa and all that. They buried Jimmy Hoffa's body, perhaps at the Meadowlands, but nobody's found it. But the Teamsters really, what they are, and I'm going to tell you why this is relevant in Los Angeles, but what the Teamsters are, are America's largest, most diverse, and most powerful union. Okay? It started as a merger of two leading driver associations, like truck drivers and things like that. And that's still a big constituency of that union. But now they represent public defenders in Minnesota, vegetable workers in California, sanitation workers in New York, brewers in St. Louis, construction workers in Vegas, healthcare workers in Rhode Island. Name the occupation and chances are Teamsters represent workers somewhere. And who Teamsters represent here is UPS workers. Let me tell you about this deal that the Teamsters got for UPS and why probably. The word Teamsters is just word association union Teamsters for me because this is a powerful union. Listen to this. This deal, by the way, which averted a strike. And I have some close friends that work for UPS. But this strike was over. They were about to go on strike. I believe the date was going to be August 1st. And they reached a deal on July 25th. And it increased full-time driver, UPS driver compensation to $170,000 from formerly $145,000. That's a 20% increase. That's pretty damn powerful and a very big victory 
for the Teamsters. And also boosted part-time worker salaries to $25.75 an hour. And the result? <laughs> the week after this deal was announced, online searches for jobs with UPS or United Parcel Service in the title jumped 50%. I mean, people want these jobs. Union jobs are good, safe jobs. And this is from Indeed.com, you know, that's nailing it down on the, on the job search front. And again, that's thanks to the Teamsters. But the Teamsters aren't the only unions getting the job done, right? And that's, again, why these unions are on strike and why their employees are out on strike. Let me throw some salaries at you. These are base salaries for... Positions in Los Angeles, union positions in Los Angeles. Okay. This again, these are base salaries. These are the highest paying base, base salaries. Nuclear power reactor operator. I didn't know there are any of those in LA, but the base salary is $91,000. Firefighter, depending on where you are, 78,000 to 113,000. This is the base, mind you. Elevator installers, 77,000. Electrical and electronics repairers, 75,000. Transportation inspector, 73,000. Police, 68,000. But keep in mind, overtime is where a lot of the income comes and unions fight for that. You've always heard about that. I, knew, I used to know this from the grocery store workers. We had a next door neighbor who was a checker for like 30 years and she said it was the best job, especially because of overtime. She'd get double time sometimes triple time, depending on the holiday. So I know firefighters, they're making $250,000, $300,000 a year. And you know what? That's thanks to the unions. And if you're wondering about screenwriters, and I was, I'm going to be fully honest with you. I know a handful of writers and they're having a hard time. And initially, and I'm being fully honest here, I was like, man, you guys are Hollywood. How, how can I be sympathetic this isn't a cafeteria worker this isn't a bus driver but guess what screenwriters would be the lowest paid on that list that i just mentioned the average screenwriter fifty six thousand dollars and actors Pfft. average actor salary is seventeen thousand dollars not everybody's a working actor and not every working actor is george clooney or brad pitt i mean the money is at the top but you know what might even be more important and what we really got to realize with this, the amount of people affected by the actors and the screenwriters going on strike. This is Los Angeles on LA in a minute. I consciously don't talk about Hollywood and Beverly Hills and Santa Monica because they get so much press and they don't need LA in a minute shining a light and peeling off layers of onion. But I'll tell you this. That is the lifeblood of Los Angeles. And whether I like it or not, people look at L.A. and they think Hollywood. They want to stream all their shows. But guess what? These streaming companies aren't paying these screenwriters and they aren't wanting to pay these actors. And that's a big deal, man. Because for years, that's why you get into this profession. That's the revenue you count on. Like when things were in uh, syndication, they're getting nice checks. Now they're not. And then with AI breathing down their neck, but even more than the actors and the writers and the, the lifeblood of Los Angeles, Hollywood, think about the crew and the support staff on all sides of the entertainment equation, production, promotion, assistance. You got hairstylists, wardrobe, makeup artists, manicurists, 
all these people are out of work coast to coast. What's funny is my wife, the interior designer, she has a client who's auxiliary to, to that industry. And she's like, yo, you know what? I, I need to kind of hold off on any big expenditures right now because I don't even have anything lined up in sight. Because even if studios and streamers reach agreements with the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA sooner rather than later, it's going to take weeks, if not months, for productions to ramp back up. And this can have a broader effect beyond Los Angeles. And it will, because it is such a main part of the economy. I mean, let's just take California. The last screenwriter strike was 2007. According to the Milken Institute, that screenwriter strike cost California $2.1 billion. That is a big deal to this economy. And as of right now, there's no end in sight. I think I read somewhere that they're going back to the negotiating table, but you know how those things go, man. It's a, it's a tough battle on all sides, and this is very important to Los Angeles. But you know me. This in a minute with Evan Lovett. I got to get into the history here. What was the history of unions in Los Angeles? Well, the first union in Los Angeles, first attempt at a union, was 1859, the International Typographical Union. Now, keep in mind, there was no TV. There was no radio. Newspapers were everything. That was the narrative. That was the communication platform. And they didn't have automated machinery to the extent that we do. So typographers were important. These were people trained in fonts and placement, like, like the little keystrokes. We type. We take that for granted. This was all painstakingly set by hand. This was a hard job. Your fingertips, your back, your eyesight. So the typographers wanted to form a union in 1859. It was called Local 44. Disbanded. because It was early. But by 1875, that union took off and this is a pretty funny pretty good indication of what unions do we're talking 1875 those first meeting notes record the appointment of a committee on female labor now you know what kind of chauvinistic society we live in now much less 150 years ago but the unions were looking out for the equalization of wages hours working conditions for women at that time and I mean, by 1883, women's women's women were in the ITU. So, I mean, unions are pretty forward thinking and they help the workers, which helps the population, which helps the economy. I mean, this was a big deal. So the union was successful and they got the daily news, which isn't the same daily news today, but the LA Daily News, of the 1880s to employ only union printers. And this led to a strong early labor movement in Los Angeles in the late 19th and early 20th century. L.A. experienced significant activism. Industries like mining, agriculture, construction. These were helping the city grow. And the city's growth attracted diversity, which led to the rise of more unions. But there's always a but. There was severe opposition. In fact, one of the most powerful people in Los Angeles at the turn of the 20th century ended up being the victim of what would be described now as a terrorist attack. But it wasn't before some serious antagonization from him to sort of incite that. I'm talking about one of the most heinous acts, really, in the history of Los Angeles. 
It's the LA Times plant bombing, which was a direct result of union fighting on both sides. I'm talking about a man. This started because General Harrison Gray Otis, <laughs> very influential in the history of Los Angeles. I mean, that's that's for a whole different episode. He's going to have a, a huge episode on. But he arrived at the LA Times in 1882. And by the time he had come in and taken over the LA Times, he was already known as the most notorious, most persistent, and most unfair enemy of trade unions on the North American continent. And this is funny, if not outright ironic, because when Otis was younger, he was a printer and a typographer. And guess what? He was a member of the typographical union when he lived in Washington, D.C. But by the time he ran the Times, he was anti-union, a position that only continued to intensify over time as they had labor battles and wage battles and overtime battles back then. And now, as hugely powerful as he was, the LA Times was the voice of the city, the growing burgeoning metropolis. So he used the Times. He had a bully pulpit. He would deride and decry all organized labor activity. And he was particularly obsessed with destroying the typographer's union. And he'd pen editorials himself. This is the editor of the paper. Just lambasting unions and everybody belonging to unions and what they meant. And the war between Otis and the ITU affected the status of all organized labor in Los Angeles. Talk about walking around eggshells. I mean, he was trying to destroy all unions and companies that employed union workers so what ended up happening is two labor union members who are affiliated with the international association of bridge and structural iron workers their names were james and john mcnamara this is on october 1st 1910 the iabsiw the iron workers union and the mcnamaras wanted to send a message to the la times so they left this pipe bomb in what was known as Ink Alley, right behind the Times building, right near where the printing press was, because their intention was to, to cripple the printing press so the LA Times just couldn't print any more of this invective towards unions. And the printing press, well, needs ink to print. and had barrels and barrels of printer's ink, highly flammable printer's ink. So they knew there would be some serious damage. So they set these pipe bombs off with a detonator connected to a mechanical wind-up clock with an electric battery circuit. These were professionals. It was supposed to go off at 1 a.m. And sure enough, at 1.07 a.m., the bomb went off in the alley outside the building. And though the bomb wasn't enough to level the entire building, at least not initially, it ignited natural gas that was piped into the building and there happened to be a gas leak, which exacerbated the entire explosion. And now this was a horrific, terrible scene. 21 people dead and these photos. I'm going to post some of my Instagram story. Look like a war zone in downtown Los Angeles. And because the McNamara's ended up pleading guilty and just admitting everything they did, this set the union movement back years, if not decades, at least in Los Angeles, because... 
How do you generate sympathy to somebody who's killing 21 people, to an organization that's killing 21 people? So the union movement was set back and Otis had his victory. But again, labor movement is something powerful. And over the years that followed, LA's labor grew stronger and more organized. The industrial workers of the world, the IWW, they gained a foothold in LA in the 20s and they started organizing workers Various industries, agriculture, dock work, manufacturing. But it was really the Great Depression that was a catalyst for the labor movement in L.A. Workers, as you know, this is a friggin' depression. It was dire economic conditions. People sought better wages, better working conditions. I mean, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. I read that in, I think, junior high. I mean, this is some pretty terrible conditions because, again, work unions were sort of out of vogue. And it take take these great unions to fight for them. But unions continued making inroads, fighting for these workers. And one of the most notable episodes in the history of unions was 1934. The West Coast Waterfront Strike, the Longshoremen Strike. This one was led by the ILWU, International Longshore and Warehouse Union. It was a pivotal moment in Los Angeles labor history. Because if you shut down the ports, think about that today. The same back then, San Pedro, Long Beach. You shut down the economy. We don't we don't realize how much stuff is brought by boat, is brought into these ports. Go drive down to San Pedro. Go drive that Vincent's Bridge, St. Vincent's Bridge. It's awe-inspiring, the logistics that takes place there and the amount of the, the, the economic artery that is the ports. So they shut down the ports, and that led to significant gains for workers in terms of wages and working conditions and inroads for the unions in Los Angeles in the 20th century. And unions continue to fight, as they do to this day. But that couldn't happen, at least not to the extent it is now, because I need to give recognition to somebody between the, the longshoremen and the current strikes of today. Somebody that was hugely influential workers in Los Angeles and the world. Talking about Dolores Huerta. Now, they recently named an elementary school after her in historic South Central. She received an honorary doctorate from USC in May. And the city of LA completed the first supportive housing building funded by the Supportive Housing Fund, which is named in her honor. And Dolores Huerta received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama in 2012. But guess what? I didn't know who she was. I think I'd seen the name before. But when I'm looking at her accomplishments, I'm about to tell you about them. This is like Biddy Mason territory, people. You know how I love my Biddy Mason story. This, these, these are the textbooks. This is the people that L.A. needs to be teaching in the LAUSD. I mean, listen, Dolores Huerta was one of the most influential activists and organizers of the entire 20th century in modern history. Let me tell you her story. She was born in 1930. And along with Cesar Chavez. Now that, I know you know that name. Dope little park. Cesar Chavez Park in Pacoima, by the way. You should check it out. Statue, mural. It's really cool. But Cesar Chavez gets that credit, as he deserves. But Huerta co-founded the United Farm Workers with Chavez in 1962. And now think of the impact that had in Los Angeles, especially on the Latino population. We know Los Angeles is a Mexican city. It's a, it's a Latino city. And let's be honest, those farm workers, that demographic is what that is. And Chavez and Huerta, their work spotlighted these civil and human rights struggles 
There's farm worker communities living 12 people in a room. Sometimes they didn't have running water. They were getting peanuts. No pun intended. That's what they're getting paid. So Huerta is credited with organizing the five-year Delano grape strike. The national grape boycott that forced California growers to finally pay higher wages and offer better working conditions. That was huge. And I mean, these strikes, these boycotts, she was behind them. This was... This was centered around the agricultural areas of California, which is everywhere. We are the breadbasket of the United States. I mean, Los Angeles has a history as an agricultural county, and we are still that conduit for agriculture. And this is because of Dolores Huerta, along with Cesar Chavez, who was behind that. Another note about her very, two more notes, crazy notes. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1968. Right after he delivered his victory speech for the California Department Democratic Party, he was about to accept the presidential nomination. He was assassinated right here in L.A., the Ambassador Hotel Ballroom. Well, here's how impactful Huerta was. She was standing right by his side while he delivered the speech because she was that important, not just to the movement, not just to the Democratic Party, but to the United States. And she also took some gunfire in that. She survived, obviously, and went on, continued to fight for the farm workers and fight the fights. And in the meantime, from 1968 to 1988, she was arrested more than 20 times for her role as a labor leader and civil rights activist. In 1988, in San Francisco, a police officer broke her ribs and pulverized her spleen during a peaceful protest. Protest was against George H.W. Bush, against his, his policies and his platform. But a police officer beat the shit out of her. That's a woman. Come on now. One of the great leaders of our of this century. And she got a settlement from the city of San Francisco. And guess what she did? She donated that money to the farm workers. All of it. And that didn't even stop her. She was 58 years old. That didn't even stop her. She founded the Dolores Huerta Foundation. And she continued to fight even now at 93 years old. Dolores Huerta is traveling the country, engaging in campaigns, influencing legislation, supporting equality, defending civil rights, speaking to students. And yeah, that's why she had an elementary school in historic South Central named after her. And that's why we need to recognize her. This person had a huge, huge impact on Los Angeles, California, the United States and the world. And, when I'm talking about unions, when I saw that story, she's one of the most important people in Los Angeles in our lifetime. So now, for the one thing to do in L.A. this week, this one's pretty simple. If you see picketers, honk at them. Give them a shout out. Give them a wave. Let them know you support Los Angeles because that's what this is. I'm telling you right now, if the screenwriters and actors stay out, you're going to see L.A. I'm not going to use the word crumble. But you're going to see the effect because it's not just those top line people. This is the entire economy revolves around that. But there's still more you can do to help if you are so inclined. SAG after and WGA, they've asked supporters to continue sharing their demands and, you know, post on social media. Show your support. Pledge your solidarity. There's an official like letter of support that you can go find online for the WGA. Just type in Google WGA letter of support. But you can also donate to drives for food and practical support. Look up the WGA strike social media toolkit or the social toolkit for TV, theatrical and streaming. 
Hashtags are WGA strong, WGA strike, SAG after strong. There's also a fund called the Entertainment Community Fund, which is formerly known as the Actors Fund. And that was also found in 1882. No, no knowledge if it was associated with uh, Colonel Harrison Gray Otis when he took over the LA Times. But the Entertainment Community Fund supports the needs of entertainment professionals at a time of really where their industry is being snubbed, disrespected. I mean... The funny thing, or not the funny, the sad thing is many of these working artists and their families are denied charity because of who they are. So you can contribute if you want, but at the very least, give them a honk. It's important to show the solidarity because when you do that, you're not just supporting the strike, supporting the city of Los Angeles. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to episode 27 of In a Minute with Evan Lovett. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I mean, hopefully you're not on strike. Hopefully it's not affecting you too much, but you know what? That's the city of Los Angeles and and we keep on fighting. So if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star rating. And if you really love it, leave a review. It is super helpful because in a minute with Evan love is continuing to grow each and every listen counts. And I'm very thankful. So don't forget to follow and subscribe. Truthfully, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support for In a Minute with Evan Lovett. All right, y'all. It's been a minute.